Hey, it's good to see you today. My name is Philip Thomas, pastor of Journey here in Elgin, Texas. And thank you for joining us for our Tuesday edition of our Journey Through Scripture. We are continuing to walk through a chronological uh, in, in chronological order, walk through Scripture. We are in the New Testament now. Today we're going to be looking at John chapters 1 through 4. We've already hit a little bit in chapter 1. Um, and as we go through those, these Gospels, what you're going to see is we are going to kind of pick and choose a little bit. So it's not going to just be read you know, four straight uh, chapters. Uh, that may be the best way to do it, is just kind of read through the, the big parts of the chapters that we're going to talk about, um, and then we'll, we'll hit and piece them together where they show up in the different synoptic gospels, um, talking about the same thing, try to uh, piece those things together. So hang in there with us, uh, you know, if you want to, just uh, over the next you know, few weeks, just start reading through all four of the gospels, and then we'll be talking about them as we go in a chronological order. One thing that we're going to see, especially today, um, John uh, is different than the synoptic gospels, uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Different in, in just kind of the, the theological uh, push that John is doing. Um, sometimes the timeline appears to be different, but, you know, again, remember, these are not autobiographies of Jesus's life. They are um, sermons that are teaching us about Jesus's life. Uh, so yes, they are historical, but they are not a history book. Um, they tell us a lot about Jesus, but most importantly, they're telling us what Jesus came to teach and what he desires for us to believe. So one of the things that we, we see in the synoptic gospels, so Matthew, Mark, and Luke, is basically there's this move from Galilee uh, to Judea to Jerusalem. So Jesus is, is making you know, the, the move to Jerusalem where uh, he will eventually uh, be killed. Um, and John shows that that, that that move happened more than once, which is probably very accurate. Right? So Jesus' ministry was about three years. That would have been three Passovers. That would have been uh, three of the major religious uh, festivals. It is likely that Jesus and the disciples went to Jerusalem at least uh, once a year for Passover. Uh, we Again, we don't know for sure, um, but it would make sense that they, they would participate in those festivals and so make that a journey to Jerusalem numerous times. Uh, again, uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke kind of, uh, kind of do is like nearly all three years kind of crammed into one. Here's his move from Galilee to Jerusalem. And if you think geographically, Galilee is in the north, and then you have Samaria, and then you have Jerusalem. So Nazareth is up, up in the north. So you have Galilee, and Jesus would be traveling down to Jerusalem. That's that's why you can have you know, two account two different places um, where Jesus drives people out of the temple. Um, you know, you have it in uh, John you, has it early on. The Synoptic Gospels has it later. So it could have happened twice. It could have been in one of the first trips to Jerusalem. Uh, Jesus did this at the beginning of his ministry, and then he did it again at the end of his ministry, right before he uh, was going to be crucified. 
we, we don't know for sure. We know that it historically it happened exactly when we're not, we're not uh, completely sure on that. Again, that's not the point of the Gospels. Uh, the point is much, much bigger. So today we're going to be looking at John chapters 1 through 4. And we've already read some of chapter 1. Um, so if you kind of get to chapter or verse 35, where Jesus is beginning to call uh, the first disciples, what we see, and John uh, talks about John the Baptist as preparing the way. So John the Baptist, his disciples start questioning, saying, hey, this Jesus guy, people are starting to listen to him. Um, what's, what, what are we to, to do with that? And, uh, and John, of course, is saying that I'm, I'm pointing people to him. And so you have the first um, disciple or apostle that Jesus calls is Andrew, who was a disciple of John's. So he, Andrew was John's disciple, but then whenever he meets Jesus, he begins to follow Jesus. Andrew's brother is Peter, uh, or who would come to be known Peter, as Simon Peter's brother. And uh, so Andrew says, we have found the Messiah, um, which is translated as the Christ, and brought him to Jesus. And so both, both uh, Andrew and Peter are called now to be Jesus's disciples. Then you have two more, Philip and Nathaniel, uh, verse 43. Um, he found Philip, said to him, follow me. Philip was uh, from Bethsaida, um, from the city of Andrew and Peter. Uh, Philip found Nathaniel and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote of Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathaniel said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? <laughs> and uh, this is neat. Jesus said, I saw you uh, under the fig tree. And Nathaniel realizes, wow, th there's something with this, this guy. Um, verse 50, Jesus answered and said to him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe you will see greater things than these? So just a, a neat way that Jesus is beginning to call these uh, um, individuals. The, the disciples are... They are just normal guys that have been passed over by rabbis. They have not been called um, to be in the work within the, the priestly uh, world. They, that was not something for them to do. Um, many of them, I'm sure, went through all of the religious schooling, but they, they were not the top of their class. They, they were not chosen by any rabbi uh, to be a follower. But Jesus is choosing them, and they are honored to be chosen and come and follow Jesus, even though at this point they don't know exactly what that means. So John chapter 2 is one of the first signs. Um, what, what this meant, John has seven uh, signs that he kind of emphasizes that point to Jesus being the Messiah. Again, there would have been much more that Jesus did, but this is uh, the, the things that John points to. And the, the first sign is Jesus changing water into wine. And, and so we, we have this interesting um, situation. You can read it there in chapter two. Um, this wedding ceremony went on for days. And so it, it, it would be understandable if you ran out of wine that's a possibility but it would have been very embarrassing and so they start to run, run out of wine um, Mary asked Jesus uh, Mary his mother uh, asked him if he could go ahead and 
fix the problem. And Jesus said, it's not quite time. Um, but Mary kind of says, no, I, I think it is. <laughs> and it's, it's just, a, it's interesting. And all of a sudden, uh, Jesus's ministry is, is beginning in full. And you would have known this was kind of one of those um, miracles that not everyone would have known about. Um, only a few would have started seeing what was, what was happening and starting to piece together what Jesus did. And then as you continue reading in uh, chapter two, um, so Jesus has now has moved from Galilee. Now he's moved to uh, Jerusalem. He cleanses the temple in uh, chapter two, um, that the temple was being used uh, for ungodly things, that people were using it to take advantage of people, um, that it had basically become just a business. And it, and again, remember God God isn't as concerned with the sacrifices as he is with your heart, but they were taking advantage of people who may have a good heart and taking advantage of them and selling sacrifices at uh, unreasonable rates. Um, but it, it also, it just shows the state of the religious um, uh, institution of that day. Things are, are not going well and Jesus is going to change that. Um, this, this also um, is kind of just shows the tension is going to be there from the beginning between Jesus and the religious leaders. Um, in verse 23, it says, uh, now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs, which he did, but Jesus did not commit himself to them because he knew all men and had no need that anyone should testify of man for he knew what was in man. And so he's being very careful at this time. People are starting to believe, starting to question, but he's trying to keep it quiet in a, in a sense because he knew that the hearts of men would just move to use him, uh, to use him for political purposes, to use him for political gain or power gain. And he did not want that to happen. So Jesus is being strategic in how he is using and revealing his signs and, and how he is engaging uh, with the people. John chapter three, very familiar chapter, of course, has uh, the one of the most famous verses uh, ever, John three sixteen. But you have a religious leader, a Pharisee, um, Nicodemus, who comes to Jesus, and it's interesting. He comes at night, um, comes a, at night to meet Jesus to find out who this guy is. Um, you kind of get the feeling Nicodemus is curious, um, but but very, very skeptical, but kind of has an open heart. Um, he, he wants to be willing to believe in who Jesus is, but, but this is a, a, big, a, a big change in what they were thinking of and of who the Messiah would be. They assumed that the Messiah, um, it would be obvious who, who he was, that he would come uh, probably through the, through the church ranks Right, but this guy is just from Nazareth, but yet he is doing these miraculous signs, and so Nicodemus comes um, at night, and um, because kind of symbolic that he is still in the dark, and Jesus tells him that you must be born again. He says, "How can I be born again?" And, and basically, what that means, but that, that translation, "born again," means to be born of God, right? Be born of the Spirit, not just of uh, the flesh. And I love. Verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. 
And then he continues, he says, he who believes in him is not condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And so there's this constant balance that is very important for us to understand that Jesus is forgiving. He is loving. He wants to bring people into his presence. Um, And at the same time, there is condemnation without him that we must uh, turn to him. We must believe. We must repent. Uh, of the direction that we're going and begin going his way. Um, it's it, He doesn't just come and tell us, hey, I, I love you and want to show you mercy, so just continue living the way that you have been. No, he, he calls us to something more. Um, and you, you have uh, John the Baptist, that it, it, this is where he is um, you know, kind of making sure his disciples know that Jesus, that that. It, this is Jesus is the Messiah. John is not the Messiah. Um, it says uh, there in verse 30, therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. Uh, he must increase, but I must decrease. You know, that really says a lot about John. That is, that is not a normal human instinct, uh, recognizing who Jesus is. And he says, okay, now it's time for him to increase and me to decrease. And so I, I need to give up some of my power, my popularity, um, and everything needs to be pointing to Jesus. And that's an important lesson for us. Um, are, are we striving to increase ourselves or are we try, striving to decrease so that uh, all, all glory can be uh, put where it belongs? And that's on Christ. It says, verse 33, it says, He who has received his testimony has certified that God is true. Um, I, I love that, that by whenever we experience the power of the Holy Spirit and we experience who Jesus is, we recognize that God is true, that the word of God uh, is true. Verse 36, he who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe in the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Um, I, I'm going to point out those types of verses quite a bit because I think it's one that has been lost um, that we because we're uncomfortable with that. Um, we kind of relegate the Old Testament to be the God who um, brings vengeance and judgment. But no, it's, it's also in the New Testament because, again, it's the same God. And then we have uh, chapter 4 is a, a beautiful passage where Jesus encounters the Samaritan woman. So again, you you get this uh, picture that they're um, moving between Jerusalem, going back up to Galilee now. So you have to walk through Samaria. You don't have to. You can walk around, um, but it takes longer. And so Jesus said, "Let's we're just walking right through." He meets the Samaritan woman. And um, if you you remember the story, as you read through, uh, the Samaritan woman is living with someone who is not her husband. She has been in adultery, um, and Jesus recognizes all of that and then he calls her to go and to sin no more but he's extending this uh, this grace to the samaritans the samaritans and the jews did not like each other but yet jesus is intentionally going out of his way to make sure that he interacts uh, with them and many began to to believe and i i love where he talks to the disciples and he says talks talks about the uh, the harvest and that there, there are many who have already sown and now it is time to, to reap uh, the harvest. 
Um, verse 34 said, uh, Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes, look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. And he who receives reaps uh, will receive wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored and that you have entered into their labors. And so he's calling the disciples. He's beginning to make clear that this is, this is not talking about physical stuff. It's talking about spiritual stuff. The, the kingdom of God is a spiritual reality. And many of the Samaritans uh, already start to, to believe that Jesus may be the Messiah. Um, and then we have uh, ending on in John chapter four, Jesus gets back to Galilee. So the first four chapters of John have Jesus moving from Galilee down to Jerusalem and then back to, to Galilee again. Um, the synoptic gospels don't, don't show that happening on a regular basis, um, but it probably happened at least once a year. Okay, uh, for Thursday, let's look at... Luke chapters four through six, Mark chapters one through three. We've already started reading a little bit of, of chapter one, but go all the way through chapter three. And then the second part of Matthew chapter four, and then there's going to be parts in chapters eight and nine of Matthew as well. So that's Luke four through six, Mark one through three, Matthew four, and also a little bit in chapters eight and nine. All right, we will see you on Thursday. Have a good week.